Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. It's a special spirit in this place. I just want to extend a warm welcome to all of you at Colchester. We just watched a little video about you guys, and we love what it is that God is doing there. Can we give it up, Cambridge, for all those in Colchester right now? And also, as a Suffolk boy, we've got to give it up now for those in Barry's and Edmonds. So come on now, give it up for Barry's and Edmonds. And uh, we especially want to let those of you know that are in the prison right now that we are praying for you. We stand with you. We support you. We are so thankful that you are part of this moment and the best is yet to come in your life. And we believe and speak the prophetic over you to say, we stand with you. We love you. And uh, pray this will be a blessing to you as well. And also for those of you online, a warm welcome to you. Well, we are today, uh, we are today in another installment in our First Peter series. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Uh, today we are continuing on in this series uh, that we've really entitled The Now and the Not Yet. The Now and the Not Yet. And let me go ahead and create some context around what that iconic phrase means. As a believer, we live in between two monumental moments in history the inauguration and the proclamation of the kingdom of God. That is when Jesus came and walked in the earth. He walked and he said to disciples, come follow me. We live wedged in between these two monumental moments of history of the inauguration and the proclamation of the kingdom of God and the full consummation of the kingdom of God. That is when Jesus shall come and return. That's Revelation 21.5. He will come and claim the bride, claim the church. But what does it mean practically when we say we live in between these two moments of history, the proclamation and the full consummation of the kingdom of God? Here's what it means practically. We long to see miracles in our lives. How many of you are praying for a miracle right now in your life in some way, shape, or form? While it's true that we pray and believe God for miracles, in this in-between phase, we don't always see that. While we pray for fullness of life, John 10, 10, we pray for the abundant life, we pray for the fullness of the kingdom of God in our lives, all of us will see death. While we pray for a breakthrough and we believe God for a breakthrough in our lives, the reality is at times we don't find breakthrough, we find breaking in. And we find a breaking of our lives in the journey. But all of this to say by means of setting up this message this weekend, there is something that Peter addresses in this epistle of hope where he gives us an understanding and a knowledge of how we should live in this in-between phase. Because there is this calling of God on our lives to be the church, to be the mission of God, to be the people of God. So what I wanna do this weekend is I wanna unpack for you some of the complex verses there in the second chapter, verses four through as far as we can get. We're gonna peel back some of those layers and here's what I wanna do today. I just wanna tell you unapologetically right now, I wanna blow your mind with some stuff. I want to really cause you to go, I've never seen that before. But at the same time, in fact, more than that, I want you to go, wow, I am that significant. I matter that much that God has a unique plan for me in my life too. So let's pray and then we'll dig into 1 Peter chapter 2 and we'll dive in at verse 4. But let's pray together first. 
wherever you are, in any of the sites right now or online with us right now, let's just put our hands out before the Lord and just say, speak, God. Spirit of God, we, we pray right now that you would speak and you would fill this moment. Use the inerrancy and the inspiration of the word of God to root and ground our lives. Spirit of God, we welcome you. Spirit of God, we pray in this moment that you would come and you would cause the scripture to come alive. We pray for fire inside of us. We pray for Jesus inside of us. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's read verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, he says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy uh, to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As we have seen in some of the earlier messages in this series, there is a lot of imagery that Peter uses to describe the role of the church. He likes to go back into the Old Testament and to pull forth from the Old Testament imagery, language, framing, and structure for us to understand who we are as the church. Well, in this context, he uses the imagery of brick and mortar. Notice what he says. He says there is a spiritual house made up of stones. They're precious. Some were rejected. One in particular was rejected by men. Well, when Peter describes this, he speaks about Jesus not as some sort of inert piece of rock, but the innate nature of God. He says Jesus is the living stone. But he says that the living stone was rejected. And then he goes on to say in verse six, he says, God is in Zion. God is laying a stone. It's the cornerstone chosen and precious. But what is a cornerstone? One of the things that we need to grasp and grapple with here this weekend is what is a cornerstone because it explains who Jesus is. A cornerstone is the most uh, popular, it's certainly the most significant. It is the first brick that is placed in a building. So I want you to go back in time to Jerusalem. I want you to go back in time with me to the first century. I want you to go back in time even prior to that point to where the cornerstone was laid. The cornerstone, anytime you build something, is the first stone that you lay. How many of you have a building or an engineering background? You might understand some of this. It is the most significant because the placement of the cornerstone determines the stability of the structure. Now, you need to remember that because when Peter describes Jesus as the cornerstone, it is not some sort of masonry imagery that we go, well, that's fantastic. We've got to understand it because without Jesus as the cornerstone, this structure falls down. And the structure of your life falls down when the cornerstone is overlooked. In fact, buildings that don't have a well-placed cornerstone cannot withstand the test of time. Colossians 1, 17 through 18 says that in all things, he holds them all together. Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. And he needs to be the cornerstone of our lives. And Peter is describing here that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. That's what he's beginning to unpack here in the second chapter of Peter. But notice what he says. He says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone there in verse 7, where he is quoting Psalm 118. We read that and we might go, wow, they rejected Jesus. And we might disassociate ourselves from that rejection, but yet, men and women, we reject Jesus too. You're going, no, 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 I say yes to Jesus. No, we reject Jesus too. We reject Jesus every time we think that what we have as a plan is better than what Jesus has planned for us. We think we can parent kids better than Jesus. 
We think we can do a better job with our finances than Jesus. We think, Jesus, we want to let you in on some ideas about our life so that you can bless them. And here's the problem. And I'm about to open up the bonnet of our lives and really tinker with the engine a little bit. So hopefully that's okay. We, if we're not careful, we build our lives the way we want to build our lives. And then we get on to Jesus when he doesn't bless that which we have built. And I know I'm as guilty of this as you are too. This isn't judgment. This is inclusion of saying, I do this too. I go, Jesus, I have this fantastic framework and structure. I'm a grandfather right now. I'm a grandfather, people. I know that my face doesn't tell you that. My face should tell you that I should be a great grandfather, but I'm only a grandfather. But here it is, as a grandfather, here's what I know to be true about William, my grandson. I look at William and I go, William, I just think, oh my goodness, I've got such a great plan for your life. I just see you doing this and that and planting a church and all these things. And if I'm not careful, even in a good intention, my good intention always falls short of a God intention. Don't allow your good intentions to eclipse or surpass the God intentions for your life. Because when we take what we think we can do and ask God to bless it, it's always secondary to what God wants to do with the blessing of his kingdom in our lives. Here is the point. We just gone, we've just gone through one of the craziest times in world history. We now are rebuilding, if you will, from the post-COVID mire. There are societal strains, economic strains, cultural strains. But in all of this, if there is a silver lining to be found, now track with me and put yourself in this story. If there is a silver lining to be found in this post-COVID mire, in these economic challenges, in this cultural framing or reframing, it's this. Don't be too quick to go back and rebuild what you had before COVID. Don't say, well, I long for that again. In 2020 or in 2019, things are going so much better. Here's why. Because actually, if there is a silver lining to be found in this whole uncertainty era that we are living in right now, it's this thing. Don't be too quick to rebuild the wrong thing that you relied upon previously. Ask God to build the new thing that you need to build your life upon. How is it that you're living? How is it that you're spending your money? How is it that you're investing your time relationally? How is it that you're living the missional life? We need Jesus as the cornerstone of our lives. And what Peter is describing here is in the reality of the now and the not yet. Don't be too confident in the wrong thing. Put your confidence in the right thing. Because as it says there in Colossians, he is the one that holds all things together. Well, then Peter goes on to develop the metaphor of the temple there in verse five. He says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. We are being formed into something of great value and significance. We are being formed as the church. And while some see the church as bricks and rubble, and frankly, if you're not careful, sometimes you look on social and the People are lobbing another grenade at the local church. Or maybe you have friends, as I sat next to somebody on the plane yesterday. I flew out of Denver yesterday, landed at London Heathrow, and God in his providence sat me right next to a Norwich City fan. That is the favor of God. That is also the striking sovereignty of God because there are only four Norwich fans in the world and one of them was on the plane with me. And that is, I'm just saying, beyond happenstance, that is Godfidence, I'm just saying. Anyway, we talked and she said, well, what do you do? 
And I've told you this before, I'm always nervous when somebody on a plane asks me what it is that I do for a living. So I always say, no, I work for a multinational organization. We have people everywhere around the world. And she goes, what does that mean? I said, I work for the church. Oh, you're a religious man. I said, I try not to be. Oh, you're a part of organized religion. I said, our church is typically disorganized. There's very little organized about our religion. And, uh, but the reality is this. She asked me questions. She said, religion's the reason for the problems in the world. And I said, can we unpack that statement? The point I'm trying to make now is that you all know of people in your life that they look at the church and they go, wow, you're a church person, quote. You love Jesus, quote. You're the reason for the problems in the world. Maybe some of you online right now, you've been told that too, and you're going, is that really my reality? Well, the reality is that's the opposite. When it says that Peter says, I'm building you together brick upon brick and mortar upon mortar, and I'm building you into this structure, he's not building us into a building. God doesn't work through holy buildings. He works through holy people. That's what he does. That's who he is. And so we are being built into something stunning and striking. And as part of the C3 Church family, no matter which site you're in or whether you're online or you're in the prison right now, you're part of this family. God is building something special here. Don't look at the infrastructure and don't look at the parts of the church. Recognize that you are the church. You are the church. That is who you are called to be. And look what it says in verse six. What an extraordinary privilege it is. Look at verse six. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, will not be put to shame. Verse seven, so the honor is for you who believe. Skip down to verse nine. He says, you and I, and here's some of the iconic language here in Peter, arguably some of the most iconic language in the New Testament. You and I, and this is what we're gonna explain, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I think when we read that, sometimes we can disconnect from the reality of what does that mean? So let me explain to you what that means. These nouns, these names, if you will, that are listed here are directly lifted from the Old Testament. And when Peter describes these names here, he is describing the people of God with the same names as the person of God described his original people, the people of Israel. When you go back and you look in the Old Testament, Exodus 19, this is the language. Isaiah 43, this is the language. This is the language that God used to describe his people. But yet when Peter describes it here, he does so for a unique reason. And I'm gonna show you that. But these names were given by God to Israel. You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. He even says in some translations, you're a peculiar people. Some more peculiar than others, I think. But you're a peculiar people, meaning you are unique and you are set apart. You are consecrated unto me. So all of this language Peter is using is old language. So then you go, why does Peter use it? Well, there is a reason. Let me explain it. Since the beginning of time, Track with me now, lean into this moment. If I lost you earlier, lean into this moment. Since the beginning of time, God had always intended for his people, Israel, to represent his ways, preach his means, and demonstrate to the nations what it meant to be a person who walked with God. But here's the principle. Israel failed. Israel failed in their calling to be a peculiar, unique, set apart and holy people to preach the good news of the kingdom and actually fell into pagan practices and rather than influencing them as a kingdom of priests, Exodus 19 verse six, rather than being priests, 
they fell into the common practices of idolatry and witchcraft and they were no different. They were no different and yet God intended and declared for them to be a unique people. So what happened was this. If you fast forward through history, time and time and time again, God appealed to them through prophets and priests and saying, don't do that, you're better than this, you're better than this. Why would you do that? Why would you say that? You want a king, I'll give you a king. It's not gonna be what you want, but I'll give you a king. But stop sinning. Be holy. You're called to be a holy nation. But they failed time and time again. And if you know history and scripture, you'll know eventually they were forced into exile. They were forced and taken away against their will to Babylon. And they were taken into exile. But it was in that time, during that time in exile, where because of Israel's failure, God's promises would always be fulfilled. Now hear this. There are times when we fail, but God's promises will always be fulfilled. So they're failing. They're struggling. But in that struggle, now really track with me, we're gonna be both theological but also applicational now. In their failure, God raised up a prophet, this time by the name of Isaiah. And he raised up Isaiah to prophesy something new about Israel, to prophesy something new about the kingdom of God. And in Isaiah 43, this prophet began to speak, and I'm gonna read this to you, Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. He says, remember not the former things, the sin, the witchcraft, the idolatry, the brokenness, and all of the history of the Old Testament. Remember not the former things. Now consider the things of old. Behold, verse 19, Isaiah 43, I am doing a new thing, now it springs forth, do not perceive it. How many of you are familiar with that verse? Okay, it is possibly the most famous verse in January that we use for New Year's resolutions. And in fact, we use this verse for dieting plans. We use this verse for relational plans. I'm no longer gonna go with him. I'm gonna go with him. I don't wanna stay with her. I wanna go with her. Behold, God is doing a new thing and she's blonde and six feet tall. Like, that is not the context of this verse. So what is the context of this verse? Here is the context. He's speaking about Jesus. Isaiah is speaking about Jesus. And he says, now listen, there was this time but it didn't work. But think about those things, but dwell not upon those things. Behold, I'm gonna do a new thing. And that new thing is gonna be Jesus. And here is the point that Isaiah prophesies in chapter 43, and Peter now applies in chapter two of his epistle of hope, where he sews it all together. Prepare, we're about to have an aha moment. He says, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. And you know what? Who is the cornerstone? Jesus. Why? Because God did a new thing. Here is the point that I need you to get. With Christ as the new thing, and God is beginning a new work, the church is to the world. Now hear, hear what I'm about to say. The church is to the world what Israel was always meant to be. And on her better day, tried to be. That is the reason that Paul uses this iconic language. But yet furthermore, this is the reason, now track with me because we're about to be preaching. We've only got about five to seven minutes left, so we're gonna really lean into this moment. Here is the reason that Peter in this epistle says, be holy, work on good conduct. All of chapter one, verses 13 and onwards. Chapter two, verse 12, live with honorable conduct. Why? Here's the point. 
we don't just represent God. Now hear this. This is worth the price of admission today. We don't just represent God. We are God's people to demonstrate love and justice and his equity in the world. Now hear what I'm about to say, but let me quickly sidebar comment here. This is not to say for a minute that God is done with Israel and God's plan A did not work, so he went with a plan B. This is not the replacement of God's people. This is a new mysterious fulfillment of what he always said he would do. That he is all about his promises. He is all about his mission. But what does it mean to us then? What it means to us is this, that the church today, you're gathered here right now. You're online with us right now. You're at a site right now in Barrier in Colchester, and you're wondering, what is the church? The church is to the world what God always intended Israel to be, meaning a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people that are set apart for the plans of God. Well, track with me again. I'm going to be theological for a moment. If you know Genesis and creation, all the way from Genesis of creation to the garden city of new creation, that is the now and the not yet, if you will, to where we live in this kingdom story to bring about a work of restoration in this world. The kingdom life is not one of escapism. You're not saved, so you're safe. You're saved for a purpose. You're not just saved from something, you're saved for something. So while we live in this now and the not yet, the proclamation, the inauguration, the yet to be full consummation, we don't just check the box. We don't just go to church to go through the motion of church. We are, as it says there, point number one, a chosen race. We're a chosen race. We are chosen by God, a chosen race. That speaks about this beautiful thing where all ethnicities and races come together to where there is this beautiful tapestry where we see color and we celebrate the diversity of the kingdom of God. He says, you're a chosen race. I'm doing something new and different. Jesus is the cornerstone, but you are the people of God. He then says, he goes, you're a royal priesthood. That doesn't mean that you've got Windsor roots. It doesn't mean that you've got Windsor blood doesn't mean that you're looking like the Duchess of Wales. doesn't mean that. What it means is this. He says, you are set apart. He says, we're a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, only one tribe could demonstrate and represent God, the Levite tribe. But now, all people, men and women, young and old, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And he says, to be holy. Live in a holy way. Live in a way that is set apart. He says, with this, and we're going to build up to this last big point, so that you may proclaim, verse 9, 2 Peter, the first book of Peter, the second chapter, verse 9, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to leave you with this big question this weekend, and it's simply this. Is your view of church too small? Is your view of church too small? Yes, the church is messy. Yes, the church is never perfect. Yes, some people are strange and you're like, do we share the same father? Because I'm not sure we do. You're weird. The church has peculiarities. But at the same time, is there a plan B? No. There is no plan B. God's plan has always been that the church is nothing less than the new Israel restored to the kingdom 
restored into relationship through Jesus as the cornerstone, and we now the living stones to represent His ways to a hurting, watching world. So from the creation of Genesis to the new creation of Revelation, live with full engagement. Live with full passion. The church has never been incidental to God's plans and purposes. The church is central to God's plans and purposes. And that is the reason that Peter writes this passage. It's not because he needed to fill out his letter. It's not because he thought he would use some nouns of the old to create a picture of the new. No, 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 no. There is prophetic fulfillment that Isaiah 43, behold, I'm doing a new thing. His name is Jesus. I'm doing a new thing. The church will be living and alive. The church is not dead. The church is not incidental to God's plans. The church is central. And I wanna ask, if we are then silent, who will speak? If we then don't give, who will give? If we then don't go, who will go? We are called to be the people of God, to step into this space, to live between the now and the not yet fully. So pray with faith, live with generosity, be inclusive and be holy, for God is holy. As we go into a time of singing, we're gonna respond here with an appeal in just a moment. But first, as we stand together, I wanna lead us. If you're online with us right now, you're in your living room, go ahead and stand with us. If you're in one of the sites, would you stand with us right now? I feel so prompted to go into a moment before of salvation to actually ask God to purify us. He saw Israel, they fell into sin. They fell headlong into their poverty of brokenness. We are to the world what Israel was always intended to be. And that's again why Peter says, be holy for I am holy. Evan Roberts, the great revivalist of the Welsh revival, he took a piece of chalk out one time and he drew a circle around his feet. And he says, God, you're gonna bring revival to my land, I believe it. And God said, draw a circle around your feet. And he says, why? Just draw a circle. And then he says, okay, repent. And so essentially what Evan did was, he said, God, I wanna repent of every part of known sin in my life. Envision a circle around my feet. Envision a circle around your feet. And Evan said, God, would you bring revival fire to everything inside this circle? Would you purify everything inside this circle? That everything within the circle would fulfill the mandate of God in my generation. So I want us to pray right now. I'm not gonna lengthen this point or belabor it, but can we just put our hands out once again? And if you feel prompted, I want you to pray along with me in terms of your heart engagement. And if this is too much for you or you're a guest with us, there is no pressure here or compulsion to do this. But for those of us who love Jesus, let's just ask him to come right now. Lord Jesus, as the cornerstone of our lives, go ahead and pray along with me. Lord, as you're the cornerstone of our lives, I pray in this moment that you would come and bring revival power. May we be a holy nation. May we be pure. May we be quick to apologize. May we live with humility. May we see where you're at work and seek to join you in it. Father, we recognize that we, the church here in England, in 2022, in October, God, we are to be to the world what you always intended for your people Israel to be. 
So we say yes and amen to the fulfillment of your promise. We say yes and amen to the commissioning in our lives. We say yes and amen right now to the expansion of the kingdom of God through the C3 church. We say yes and amen, God, to all that you wanna do in through our lives as individuals and families. We say yes and amen, God, to your plans. We don't wanna build our lives and ask for you to bless it. We wanna live the kingdom of God and live in the blessing and the fulfillment of the purposes of God. So we pray here in this in-between time We will preach, we will pray, we will live by faith, we will live for the glory of God. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.